The Boiler Upload podcasts are brought to you by Martin Vintage, a local shop in Lafayette selling custom vintage Purdue gear. Purdue football finally got around to adding one of the best vintage mascot logos to their helmets. All of the Purdue faithful were excited to see the old golden black run onto the field, donning Purdue Pete on their helmets for the Florida Atlantic game. Martin Vintage wants its customers to be able to own a piece of this monumental event in Boilermaker football gear. Make sure to head over to martinvintage.com and grab yours before they're gone. Welcome everybody to the Boiler Upload podcast, your weekly podcast discussing all things Purdue. But let's face it, right now, all we're concerned about is the Purdue football coaching search. And it seems like that there is a lot of smoke right now in the air for uh, for who we're going after, who Purdue may hire. Uh, I am your host, Travis Miller of Boiler Upload, as always. And with me tonight is our guy that has been on the ground doing everything football, Kyle Holderfield. How you doing, Kyle? Uh, great. You know, no, nothing like a Sunday evening podcast here to uh, end the night. And hopefully it's a podcast that's going to springboard us into a uh, new football coach. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are recording this at 8.24 p.m. Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm really hoping that by the time this gets published in the morning, it is not completely and utterly irrelevant, but if it is, then just please listen to the end and then subscribe to the podcast. That way, our numbers look better. So, <laughs> anyway, I think I think we can go with the obvious here. The name being tossed around, Tyson Helton at Western Kentucky, and it it kind of feels like deja vu here. Same school, same type of offense, a little bit of everything here. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, the, the Hilton last name carries a little bit of weight. Um, his dad was a longtime football coach. And then, of course, his brother served as a head football coach at USC and is now at Georgia Southern. Um, you know, he's a pass-first guy. Uh, his quarterback threw for over 4,000 yards this year. He's in the transfer portal right now. Um, you know, the last two Western Kentucky hires have worked out pretty well with, you know, being Gene Gady and, and Jeff Brom. So, I mean, I said it last week, just kind of, half joking, but, uh, Western Kentucky is kind of like our AAA program, it seems like. And, um, <laughs> that, uh, that, that side comment might come to fruition, it appears. So, um, I, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of wishy-washy on this hire. I, I, I don't hate it by any means. I don't think I hate it either. And I think the, uh, the biggest part of that would be, does Austin Reed come with him? Um, just because, Reed is a graduate transfer. He has one year left of eligibility. He is already in the portal before this began. And should it be Tyson Helton, if he were to convince Austin Reed to come with him, I think that gives Purdue a little bit of credibility here uh, right at the beginning. It gives a ready-made starting quarterback while Michael Alimo and Brady Allen get another year within the system and a year to learn Helton's system, if you will. And... Uh, it's not like Reed is awful, is he? No, he, he he's a good quarterback. You know, he's he's kind of the David Blau type mold. He's only like 6'1", 190 pounds, but man, he can he can throw the ball around. And uh, you know, the moment I heard that this Helton thing might be happening, I pulled up some YouTube clips of their offense just to start kind of gauging what they do. And you know, they are a throw the ball air raid type offense, and he likes to do it. And he's pretty creative just from the twenty minutes that I watched. Um, Austin Reed would be a good get. Obviously there's probably another school in the state of Kentucky. That's probably trying to get that same kid. 
um, with <laughs> Jeff Brom at Louisville because he probably needs a bridge quarterback as they're like four year starting quarterback. Malik Cunningham's out. Of, I mean, he's out of town. Um, so I'm sure we'll have a little bit of competition for him, but um, he would help out tremendously, obviously. And there's, there's quite a few Western Kentucky players already in the portal. Almost a dozen. I think I was looking earlier, a, a receiver, a pretty good safety, a couple offensive linemen, um, you know, guys that obviously maybe could come in and help fill some gaps if they want to follow their old head football coach, if he ends up coming to Purdue. Yeah, I'm looking at Reed's numbers here. Last year was his first year at the FBS level, 4,247 yards, uh, 36 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, I should say this year, the 2022 season. And uh, how often can you say this? If he were to end up in West Lafayette, he is a national championship quarterback because he led West Florida to the 2019 Division II National Championship. And threw for over 4,000 yards there. So um, pretty good resume on him. He, he's done it at two different levels. He's did it at a uh, step up from his previous levels. So obviously the Big Ten is very, very different from Western Kentucky and Conference USA. I think they're in Conference USA now. I, I don't know. They keep changing these. But uh, he would be a very interesting, as you said, a bridge quarterback. And I, I think he could really step in and uh, – that would ease the transition, if you will. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, we got, you know, Mike Alamo and and Brady Allen. Um, they've never started a, a college football game. Those are our two scholarship quarterbacks coming into 2023. Um, and both of them are, you know, they're both four-star prospects. So they, they have high ceilings. Mike Alamo is a decent runner, actually. He's a pretty good athlete. And then Brady Allen – um, was the quarterback from Gibson Southern that led them to their first state championship. And he is uh, one of the best high school quarterbacks I've ever watched. Um, and as you guys know, I, I coach high school football or whatnot. I mean, he is a, uh, a pure cannon of an arm. He's not, you know, a, relatively a runner by any means, more of a statue, but he is 6'5", 210 pounds. Um, he might be bigger than 210 pounds at this point. He's been at Purdue since, you know, January, but um, yeah, he Austin Reed would be fantastic as a little bridge guy. If not, I'm sure there's other guys. I think I, last time I checked, there were 65 quarterbacks in the portal or something like that. Um, so there's there's some guys guys to pick from for sure. <laughs> and uh, you know, going back to Hilton himself, he comes to Purdue. You know, not we're not saying that he's coming to Purdue, but should he come along? He brings a decent record at Western Kentucky. He just finished his fourth season there. He is 31 and 21. He won the East division in 2021 last year as Western Kentucky was nine and five. They are eight and five this year before they play their bowl game on New Year's Eve in New Orleans. And he's won nine games in his first season as well in 2019. So this is a guy that's managed to get it done at, in an era and at a school that is going to lose a lot of their best players if they have a good year, thanks to the transfer portal. So he's used to roster turnover and everything else. Yeah. And I think the most um, impressive was that first year when he won nine games, he took over uh, after Mike Sanford. I think he was a Notre Dame coordinator that took the job after Jeff Brown left for Purdue. Um, uh, Sanford left that place uh, with a three and nine record, you know, and then, 
Tyson Helton gets the job um, after I think he was at Tennessee the year before as offense coordinator, perhaps, or some, you know, whatever. He's with his brother somewhere, I think, at that point. Um, <laughs> he he uh, he he flipped it around and they won nine games in his first year. And then then they had a little bit of a slip, you know, five and seven. Um, and then they've won nine games last year and the potential to win nine games again. I mean, so talk about a guy on average that could win uh, in Conference USA. He's winning seven to nine games, I guess, on average, that's that's okay with us. And, you know, as, as everybody knows, I think at Purdue, we're not clamoring for 10, 11 win seasons every year. If we get eight, nine wins, we're, we're pretty darn happy. And uh, six, seven wins and getting to a bowl game keeps the critics pretty quiet in West Lafayette. So um, I think uh, I personally I personally like his offense and things like that, just watch him. I think he does need to get surrounded with some good coordinators um, and hopefully one guy that's already on staff might stick around um, in Mark Hagan and, and hang out with maybe the new staff if he does get hired. Right. And that, that seems like it would be a good key. I know everything that we've discussed behind the scenes and a lot of our uh, readers and listeners have discussed, it seems like keeping Hagan needs to be priority one, whoever does get the job. And I think that that's what makes this time going through the whole process so interesting because the last time around we needed clean house i mean the one guy i think that should have hung around and obviously did not was marcus freeman was proven right he's coaching at notre dame right now but this time around i think it would be good to at least keep a couple of guys that we have you know hagan number one there and just have a little bit of continuity so they can keep the guys that are staying because i think with the right hire, a lot of the roster are gonna, is going to stay and Helton would come in or whoever comes in would come in at a much, much higher level than uh, Brom did six years ago with what Hazel had left. Yeah, I, yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, you know, I, it'd be great to see a couple guys uh, hang back. I know there's only a handful that are still left on staff. Um, most of them felt followed Brom down to down to Louisville, but, you know, Hagen's the key, I think, and he's always had that co-defensive coordinator title to him, you know, and uh, I don't know if saying, hey, you are the defensive coordinator keeps him here because there's there's words um, on the street that uh, Louisville and obviously Coach Brom has offered him um, a position down there to probably be co-DC with Ron, Ron English again and be the defensive line coach. I don't know if just outrightly making him the defensive coordinator saying, hey, you're making the calls on Saturdays. This is your your gig now if that keeps him here. If so, I mean, you might as well. Um, his value as a recruiter is just worth anything you can give him in a title, in my opinion. Um, the, the defensive line recruiting has been great the last two seasons. Um, and he's just a – he's a hell of a football coach, and he's an Indiana native. So I think he's important to keep around, uh, just as important as anybody, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm looking at Western Kentucky's recent seasons here, specifically this year. They they were kind of up and down, but they were regularly putting up 30, 40, 50 points a game. They had 73 in one game against a really bad Florida international team. They they took Indiana to overtime in Bloomington, and it was the second year in a row that they lost to Indiana, but both games were competitive. So eh, do you really want a guy that's 0-2 against Indiana? But mm, who knows? Uh, they, they played at Auburn and they lost that one 41 to 17, but it was at least somewhat competitive for a little while. It was, uh, 17 all at halftime. So he, he is, he took a team 
into an SEC team, albeit a five and seven SEC team, took them into their house, and at least it was competitive into the fourth into the third quarter, really, because it was twenty to seventeen with two minutes left in the third quarter. So, you know that to me, that's the kind of thing you want to see from a guy like this. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, he he scores he scores points in bunches, and like you said, he did lose a couple games to Tom Allen, but I think that kind of uh, levels the playing field a little bit when you get the same amount of talented players or more talented players to, to go against Tom Allen um, and in Indiana. Um, I again, I, I I said it to you before we started recording. You know, um, people before when the coaching search started, they wanted somebody with head coaching experience. Well, there's 131 of those guys you know, in, in college football. And then um, then you want somebody with an offensive background. Okay, well, that cuts it in half to like 70. Um, and then you want somebody who throws the ball first. Well, then it's down to 35 guys, right? Um, and then mm-hmm. 25 of those 35 guys are untouchable. Um, so you're down to you, 10 candidates, you know. Um, and Western Kentucky has been <laughs> a pipeline for us, apparently. Um, and I – Again, he has a he has a good pedigree. Uh, he's a throw it first offensive guy. He's won games as a head football coach, um, and he's considered an up and comer um, in the coaching world. And if you compare he and Jeff Brom at the same kind of time uh, in their coaching career, you could argue that he has more experience. Um, Jeff Brom obviously won eleven, I think, in twelve games with Western Kentucky a couple times. Um, but you you could argue that Helton has just as much experience, um, if not more than Jeff Brom at this stage in their coaching career. Yeah, I tend to agree with that and just looking at it. And he was on Brom's staff, too. A lot of people don't realize that he was offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach in 2014 and 2015. So he, he was kind of his understudy there for two years before he went to USC as the uh, passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And then he was also at Tennessee for a year before getting his job now. So... Um, it's not like this guy has been untested. He has worked with a lot of high, you know, high, highly productive offenses here. So I think that makes things a little bit more interesting. And to me, the biggest difference between him and Brom right now is, like I said earlier, the floor is so much higher now because of where Brom built the program. He's not coming into a program that won nine games in four years. He's coming into a program that has won eight games this year in a division title. So even though there are holes that need to be filled and players that need to be replaced, it's a lot higher step if you're getting roughly the same type of coach. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> and and not only that, like he's coached some good players when he was at USC, like you mentioned. He was, I mean, it's, People can laugh at Sam Darnold now a little bit in the NFL, but you know he 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 was the quarterbacks coach for Sam Darnold, who won the Rose Bowl MVP. Um, and I think Sam Darnold was picked number one in the NFL draft. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was a highly picked uh, quarterback in the NFL draft. So he he's coached some good football players in his time, especially between USC um, and Tennessee. And I want to say even in 2014, when um, Coach Brown was the head coach there at Western Kentucky, and he was he was helping. Um, Coach Brom out. I think they had it might, it might be the Mike White guy that's with the Jets now. That was like a four thousand yard passer down there. I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but he's he's coached some good football players, and you know I I think he can coach guys up in terms of talent wise from his time at Western Kentucky, and then obviously he got the most out of Sam Darnold at USC 
um, because Sam Darnold in the NFL has kind of been a little bit of a letdown. So, yeah. We don't care about what they do in the NFL. We just want to know what they do at college. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm just um, – I, I honestly think that there's people on our own board that are kind of underselling this if he is indeed the higher, but I'm with you. It's Where, where else are you going to go right now? I, I mean, it's been a pretty quiet coaching carousel season, and people are like, well, Nebraska got Matt Rule, and – uh, Wisconsin got Luke Fickle, but as someone else said, they had weeks and weeks and weeks after they had fired their coaches mid-season to go out there, make their contacts, and see who they want. Babinski, yeah, he you know probably was seeing some clues, a lot more clues than we were, but it's been, what, six days as of right now since Brahm officially left? So... I think we're still early in the process. And even if Hilton's not the guy here, um, I'm not going to panic yet. So, um, and and say Hilton is not the guy, who do you think are some of the other targets that would be out there if this falls through? I want to prep. I want to go back. I just looked it up. He didn't coach Mike White, but he did coach Brandon Dowdy. um, Yes. His 2014, 2015. Dowdy only had, you know, in 2014, 4,800 yards and 49 touchdowns. And in 2015, 5,000 yards and 48 touchdowns. Um, so nearly 100 touchdowns and nearly 10,000 yards in two seasons as his quarterback coach. Um, oh, that's at, at Western Kentucky. Yeah, that's nothing at all, right? And yeah. obviously, um, and, and obviously uh, Coach Helton must come from the Jeff Brom coaching tree a little bit um, with wanting to throw the ball because that's what he does at Western Kentucky. Um, but some other names, obviously, that, that have popped up, especially if you've read our board, you know, it sounds like Coach Shep might have been reached out to at least, um, whether that was to gauge if he would like to come back as an offense coordinator or a head coach. Um, you know, the players were obviously clamoring for him on social media. Um, I, I, I posted on the, um, on the, on the board today um, about Ryan Walters, the, the defense coordinator from Illinois, um, and that information just came from some Indiana high school football coaches that – um, have players committed to Purdue because uh, obviously they're going to advocate for their players and they want to know who the hell's being interviewed, um, see if their players need to decommit or not. Um, and then I think, you know, some guys that we all wanted to be interviewed and maybe they were or were not, um, you know, uh, Monken was involved from Georgia and then obviously pulled his name out, it sounds like. Um, and then I-, I clamored for Chris Kleeman, but I don't even think that was a sniff. Um, and then Dave Clawson, of course, from Wake Forest. It sounds like he might have been contacted, but um, sounds like he's he's good with with staying put. So um, there's options. Um, I, I I think Purdue, as Purdue fans and Purdue writers, and you know, and growing up in Tippecanoe County, Purdue's a lot sexier to me than it is to somebody on the outside. Sometimes, uh, you know, mm-hmm. even with the recent. You know, I've um, been a lifetime Purdue fan, grown up here, went to basketball and football games with my grandpa, uh, with my families and friends. And to me, I'm like, oh, man, Purdue just come off, came off an eight-win season. This is great, you know. And then you put it in perspective a little bit. You sit down and you're like, well, they are adding USC and UCLA, and there's going to be 16 teams. And are we in the top 10 best jobs in the Big Ten? You know, maybe it's not as appealing <laughs> to people on the outside as it is to us on the inside where we love Purdue sports. Um, and live them every single day. Uh, so maybe that be that might be what's going on. You know, uh, Big Ten's not getting any easier by any means. 
I think I agree with you there because it's a better job than it was when Brom came. I know I've said that many times here, but historically it, you know, it's a job that if you're successful, you're looking at a, a, a highest high watermark of nine to 10 wins a year. I mean, this is a program that's only had one 10 win season ever. And it was in 1979. So, you know, am I saying that Purdue could never aspire to be that? No. I mean, I think the right guy, if he comes in, he, the tools are there. The facilities have improved greatly and everything else. And yeah, I think you could get a 9-10, maybe even 11-win season. Purdue just proved it could win the Big Ten West. And, you know, what does that mean going forward with the new Big Ten and the way things are going to be? I have no idea. But there's actually been tangible progress here. And it's at the highest level it's been probably since, I'd say, 2003 or 2004. So, at least it's at a good starting point. Now, can it stay there? That's who you want somebody that can at least keep it at the same level. And Helton and a bunch of other guys, I think they could at least do that. And really, like you said, if Purdue fans are going to be pretty happy, if you're putting up eight, nine wins a year, you occasionally win a division title if we're still going to have divisions. And you're competitive, you're knocking off, you're getting some big upsets and really the last two years were a lot of fun. (laughs) It's a lot more fun uh, being as competitive as Purdue was these last two years. And I think that we can get somebody that can do that. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Sadly, I think the guy that we had that could do it for a long time was just leaving to go home and, you know, they came calling a couple of times and obviously going home means a lot to the Brahms. The Brahms are a close knit family. You can tell just by how they, they talk about each other and how they've stayed connected and everything like that through coaching and all that jazz. But, you know, coach Tiller on average, only average, if you take all of his wins over the course of a season was seven and a, uh, seven and 7.25 wins per season was his average. Um, mm-hmm. And only two different times where he put back to back win, back to back seasons of over eight wins, eight wins or more. Um, two, one time he went, I think eight and five, and then another one next year was eight and four, and then he went nine and three or something like that. You know, and he's he's revered as our um, best coach of all time, obviously, and obviously we love Coach Joe Tiller um, and everything he did for Purdue football. But sometimes guys like Jeff Brom or um, you know maybe maybe uh, Helton here. You know, sec- sometimes the sexy hires aren't the best hires or are not the best hires the, at, to the eye. Um, you know, we all know, maybe we all do, I guess I'm, maybe I'm aging my Purdue football knowledge here, but a lot of people were excited, I guess, when Fred Akers was hired, uh, a big, big name. From, <laughs> I remember that. From Texas, uh, a big name from Texas. And we all know how that went. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's reason to believe that we can get the right guy in, whether that's Helton or not. Obviously, we don't know that, or if it's somebody else. I, I truly believe that, you know, we, we probably had the guy that could do that on a year-to-year basis, but um, he wanted to go home, and I can't, I can't blame the guy. I've never left Tippecanoe County in West Lafayette because it's home to me. That's where my family's <laughs> at. So, and it's not like this is an unusual position for Purdue because aside from Tiller, is the only coach that has stayed more than six years since Jack Mullenkopf and, yeah. and uh, only Brom and Jim Coletto even made it to six years. So 
Uh, It's not unusual to have some turnover like this. Um, I don't think a lot of people were surprised, especially once the Louisville job came open. But if you get the right guy and, you know, things work out, you may have to go through this all over again in another year or two as somebody else tries to come after (laughs) you. So, I mean, we did this in year one and year two with Jeff Broad. So, (laughs) now I guess the final question. You're right. I guess the final question I've got for you tonight is where do you think we are on maintaining the roster and maintaining the recruits are there? Because we're starting to see the sharks circling a little bit. I know TJ McWilliams got an offer from Minnesota. We have uh, a guy, Ethan, is it Ethan Fields, the offensive lineman? Yeah, the offensive lineman. The the offensive lineman, which I'm not a fan of having only one offensive lineman in the class and he may be gone soon. But uh, where where do you think we are in terms of holding on with what we've got, both as the current roster and uh, the incoming recruits? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the maybe the current roster might be waiting to see who's going to be the next head football coach to decide if they're going to enter the portal or not. Um, you know, maybe uh, hiring a guy like Hilton keeps a lot of those receivers here because they throw the ball so damn much. Um, but I think there's kind of waiting to see, I guess, who's going to be hired. In terms of the 2023 class, losing a few guys here and there, I mentioned in our group chat, um, I'm not super worried about the 2023 class. You don't want to lose those kids, um, especially if they're Indiana kids. Um, you like having Indiana kids on the roster, obviously. Um, but, I mean, the transfer portal lets the next head coach bring in whoever they want anyway. You know, um, There's going to be roster turnover regardless. Um and I, I personally think a lot of them are probably waiting to see who the next head coach is. And that's why it's important that Mike Bobinski has moved so fast um, to try to get this done. If it's indeed kind of in the, the end game of this, because we are, you know, 10 days out from national signing day. So, um, and he's moved pretty quick here, which is good. Um, but I think the current roster guys probably a wait and see approach. You don't want to enter the portal because sometimes you get lost in there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. something like what I, I can't remember the exact percentage, like 40% of kids who entered the portal, like never came out of it last year or something like that. That's just an insane number to me. Um, so you don't want to enter the portal and get lost in there and have nowhere to go, but back home. Right. So I, I think, I, I think we're all right where we're at right now. And like you said, we want to, we want to nail this down pretty quickly and I, I'm not too disappointed if Hilton's the guy. I, th- I think he can have some success. I think his similar style will help with those that choose to return. And it's not that much of a shift in system. It's not like we're going from an air raid to running the triple option. <laughs> I would love to see that just to let you know I'm a triple option guy. So, <laughs> Okay, well, well, we'll get you and Austin Colby from Kokomo run the old wing <laughs> T. <tea. laughs> All right. Well, with that in mind, I think we'll go ahead and wrap this up tonight. Um, as I said, this could be all moot by the time this you're actually listening to this. So if you've made it this far, thank you very much. Um, but this has been the Boiler Upload podcast, and we will probably be along later this week maybe to talk some basketball with Casey. Uh, I know it's a slow week with finals, but we will uh, talk to you later. So for Kyle and myself... Travis Miller, we thank you and boiler up.